Hello everybody, this is Beverly speaking and I'm here today with Rona. Hello Rona. Hello Bev. Hello. We're here today to talk about balance. Indeed. So we're going to start by reflecting a little on what the essence and meaning mm. of balance is mm. in mm-hmm. the context of the Inspiring Speakers Programme. So, Rona, let me ask you that question. What is the essence Bev. of balance for me? <laughs> the essence of balance for me. Well, um, balance kind of takes me back to my school days because uh, I just remember having a mass of notes always. I always had, used to have lots and lots of notes. And in order to make sense of that, those notes, it was always important to have a plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just a very simple, I remember, you know, get my introduction straight, get my argument in the middle, have my conclusion. And that was a great way of um, organising my thoughts and making my arguments palatable for my reader. And that idea of structure has held me in good stead to this very day. Indeed it has. So what have you learnt about that kind of the importance of that kind of structure that you can share with our participants? Okay. So um, first of all, I really want to emphasise that balance, the, the importance of knowing what to include, what to leave out, um, kind of getting the scales balanced correctly, and also creating a structure for your listeners. Mm. Um, sometimes sounds like a bit of a straitjacket, because we all want to be incredibly imaginative and we want to have ideas and we want to have flow and we don't want to be tied down to something that stops our creativity. Mm-hmm. But my, um, my idea is that actually if we organise ourselves properly, mm-hmm. this, this creates an incredible foundation for our creativity so that balance becomes our friend, not our enemy. Absolutely, I would agree with that and uh, most of you will know that I've been a journalist for many years and one of my jobs over the years has been as an editor which has meant that I have been tasked with distilling other people's ideas down to their essence and putting structure, quite often putting in structure Mm. where the writer hasn't quite Mm. hasn't quite nailed it Mm. and I call that invisible mending, actually. <laughs> but it's 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 very important because otherwise it's just a collection of information mm. or a set of ideas that don't seem to really mm. relate to each other. Mm. So, the, in the work that I've done over the years, I feel that I've helped a lot of of and some quite big name writers actually. Mm. Uh, you know, really get clarity mm. in print that they wouldn't otherwise have had. Mm. Never get thanked for it, by the way. <laughs> but it's so important to be able to structure a talk so that it has the impact that you intend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this whole idea of taking the audience on a journey with you mm. is so key as mm. well. Mm. It's 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 actually why people read, mm. I think, because. I could I could talk quite a lot about story and why story is important, but if you think of a story structure, yeah, then there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yes, we all know that, but there's there's more than that. There's you know there's there's something that happens. Mm. You can't have a story in which nothing happens. So, 
in the same way in a talk, you have to have that point at which something changes, something happens, yeah, and something happens as a result of that change. Mm -hmm. So there is this sort of inherent structure within a journey, and we're going to go into this a bit more, we're going to take you through the hero's journey again in a bit. And isn't it important as well to remember um, where um, this quality of balance comes mm. in the overall arc of our journey, our Absolutely Inspiring so, Speaks yeah. programme, because it's no coincidence that it comes mm. right in the middle, it does. Um, the very place where, you know, you, um, you speakers will already have started to look at a lot of authenticity, your own point of view, your message, your ideas, your um, stories or your facts and uh, you've dug into that quite a lot then you'll have been thinking oh well I've got all of those ideas facts message and stories and I need to make those relevant to my audience well who is my audience and mm. gradually gra that begins to be quite a lot of stuff yeah. that um, you as speakers will have started to think want to make sense of mm. and you might already be in a place of slight overwhelm yes and so um, placing balance at this point is important not just for your audience mm. but also for you as a speaker because then you can start to really identify clearly which message you want to speak about yes. and which evidence you want to identify to support that message. Absolutely, absolutely. So because... We're, we're, this is all about inspiring speakers and you can't inspire if you don't take your audience with you and leave them with a clear call to action. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Let's just imagine, so let's do it the reverse. So if a speaker arrives on a stage and they just basically splurge out a whole load of information which they haven't really bothered to think about how to organise. They, they might have thought about the ideas, yeah. but they haven't really organised it into a coherent journey beforehand. Mm. So they're kind of making things up slightly on the hoof. Yeah. What's the impact on the audience, Bev? Well, I can give you an example of that, actually. Uh, quite recently, we were doing some coaches speaking at a TEDx event, and we were giving some feedback to this guy who was a scientist and he got up and delivered what really was a lecture. Right. It was like a, a 20 minute lecture right. just as he, he might deliver it to, to, to a group of students. Mm. There were lots of, mm -hmm. there was lots of fascinating information and ideas in there. Indeed. But there were very many of them. <laughs> And mm -hmm. there was no sense of uh, a route through this. I, you, it, it's like having a having a map with no mm. no route, mm. or, or just having this whole map in front of you with all of these different territories, mm. and you had no idea mm. how you were going to get through mm. them. Mm -hmm. And no, and he wasn't navigating us through it. Right. But it was only when he was two thirds of his way through through his talk though mm. that we realised who he was and. and which was around doing sending a, a craft to a, a comet. So if you think about that, you think, oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. That, that, I want to know more about that. But there'd been this whole run-up to that point right. where he'd not even mentioned it. Right. And there'd been lots of very big picture ideas yeah. about the origins of life mm -hmm. 
uh, but it was impossible to follow. Right. So it all got a bit buried. All it that all gold very, very had got all completely buried, buried beneath this yeah. mass of information. And yes. I imagine that for the for the listener, you're just sort of drifting off and slightly hoping it will end. Oh, all end just soon. Just hoping it will end soon. Yeah. Just thinking, I've got awful. no idea what this is about. Yeah. Turn off. Turn and off. Turn off. Well, I've completely lost. Yeah. So a, a really good example of that, I think, is. Um, a TED Talk, which has had loads of views mm. and, you know, a bit Emperor's New Clothesy. Mm. So it's Alan de Botton's talk. And yeah. as we all know, Alan de Botton is a, is a very clever man. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, so his appearance on, on the TED stage was signalling clever, clever, clever. Yes. And indeed, he enthralled us with his clever, cleverness because he had a lot of theories to share with the audience. Theory mm. upon theory upon theory. It was a list rather than a journey mm. and it, I, it was one of those things where you think you know where you're heading and mm. then he took us off into another area mm. so we were off down another road which meant that I had forgotten where we'd started and by yeah. the time we got to the end I had no idea what I was meant to conclude yes. and so the assumption really was that his audience would keep up Yes. And we, of course we can't make that assumption. We no. We just do some signposting, don't we? Yes, we do. We do, we do have to show people where we're going along the way, because otherwise how, they, how can they follow us? Mm, absolutely. And, you know, giving an inspiring talk is not about proving how clever you are and how many ideas you've got. It's about actually mm. taking, taking your, your audience mm. with you along yeah. the way. Yeah. And another example of this kind of throwing everything on the plate <laughs> sort of thing is is um, Anthony Robbins who uh, I'm sure a lot of you will have heard of uh, extremely successful man uh, very very well known uh, motivational speaker again a very I mean 14 million views and counting his TED talk which is called Why We Do What We Do uh, He yes he has amazing energy he's very intense very full on he speaks very quickly. We have hardly any space to catch our breath. Mm. He's, he says at the start that it's, this is going to be a challenge for him because he's used to doing 50-hour seminars. <laughs> so we're we kind of already being set up for maybe a quite week. a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, just to, just, I won't go through the whole thing with you, but watch it and see what you think. Um, but I, just to give you a flavour of this, we have... Um, two invisible forces that shape you we have six human needs we have seven different beliefs mm. and then at the end he talks about exploring your inner web which to me hasn't got anything to do with the title of the talk mm -hmm. you know we're not quite sure what we're meant to take away and whether the question po posed by the title is answered there's no clear mm -hmm. journey it's just like a long riff mm -hmm. carried through by the sheer power of his personality. Right. And that can be an enjoyable exercise. Yes. It can all be very enjoyable. It can be impactful. You can feel you've had some kind of experience. Mm. But if we're talking about inspiring speaking, and if we say that inspiring speaking is about helping people to think differently yes. or to do something differently, I'm sure that by the end of that talk, that would not we would not be clear. Mm what he intended us to either think nope. or do in a no. different way. No, not at all. And so that for us in the Inspiring Speakers Programme is definitely not 
where we want to take people. No, no, we, we don't. We, we want to encourage you, in fact, to, to keep it simple. Yeah, yeah, keep it simple. Keep it simple and clear. Clarity, yeah. clarity, clarity is all. Because if we, if we start from a very simple place, it's, it's, it's much easier then to embellish. Yeah. You know, it's a bit like um, accessories, isn't it? You've got to, yeah. let's think about clothes. We've got to, <laughs> yeah. Let's us think about, let's think clothes. about clothes. So you've got a great outfit. Yeah. And you want to enhance it. And you might just take one striking piece of jewellery. Mm. You might just take one scarf, or you might not, but you start off with a basic great outfit, and then it's a question of adding bits and pieces yeah. to make it even greater. Absolutely, yes. So if we, um, if we go back to that starting point, the one great outfit. The one great, <laughs> one great outfit. outfit, I like this. The one great outfit, so, um, which tells, which, which okay, let's, let's really say that one great outfit is communicating some kind of message. I don't want to get too fixed in there, but mm -hmm. we want to show off the, the message that we want to create that day through our clothes. Yeah. And so, um, how are we going to do that, Bev? What, what is it we need to do for our audience, for them to really get clear on what that message is going to be? Well, we need to start, we need to, A, start and set the context for them. So perhaps we're wearing a little black dress, <laughs> which might seem like not particularly distinctive. Mm. So, but we might be wearing a little black dress mm -hmm. because we know that um, everyone can identify with little black dresses and black is, is a good base colour to start with. So we've kind of, we're setting the context with mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're setting it up. Mm. Uh, it's almost like, the way I think of it is, it's an undeniable story. It, it's something that everyone can agree on. Mm. That's mm. where we're starting. Mm. Mm. It's like, mm. here's, here's, so the, the little black dress is almost like the equivalent of the ordinary world at the beginning of the hero's journey. Mm, cool, okay. Yeah. And so, and I, and I imagine that you might be wearing that little black dress because you're going somewhere yes. that requires something maybe simple and conservative yes. and it's not going to frighten the horses yes. necessarily necessarily, <laughs> necessarily. Um, so there's a call to adventure yes. perhaps and so where do we get from there so the call to adventure is maybe when you start to introduce something a little less expected so it might mm -hmm. be you might you know you might you might introduce a, a rather Shocking pink scarf mm. on your little black dress. Right, right, right. So that because, might yeah. be the call to adventure. Okay, because you're taking somewhere, you're saying something to to your audience about. Um, it's a bit of a signpost. I'm yeah. not just um, a little black dress person. That's right. I want to add a bit of flair here. Yes. And um, I've got something imaginative to say through my clothes. That's right. And then of course we go on a building block. Yes. But we don't want to have too much and this is the other essence mm. of balance which we talk about in um in the day or during the day when yeah. we do balance day so we're not just talking about structure here are we no we're not we're talking about what to include and what to exclude how mm. to edit yes our talks yes 
And so, I, I mean, to bring in another metaphor, um, I often think of a, a horror film where, um, you know, if it's unrelenting horror, mm. scene after scene after scene of unrelenting horror, yeah. that's almost impossible to watch. And the audience is, you know, thinking, I wish I could have some relief. Mm. And if it's a great director or a great editor, they know that they've got to bring some sort of sunshine in. Yes. So it's that contrast. It's yes. the light and the shade. Absolutely. Yes. So, so if we go back to our metaphor with the outfit, yes. we're not going to go overboard no, with the additions. No, if we if we put a shocking pink scarf on, we're not we're not then going to add a shocking pink set of rings on every finger or a shocking pink hat or or a belt. You know, that, that would be too much. It would be too much pink for mm, a start. It would be too much. It would be just too much. There wouldn't be enough contrast. Right. There wouldn't be enough balance. Or because balance. the outfit would be out of balance. Now, yes. I just want to sound a note of caution here. Yes. Because in our... Um, the, way, the way we look at balance is that it's one of many possible structures. Yes. And so really what we're saying here is know the rules to break the rules. Yeah. This is just basic. So... If you were um, one of those really wild dressers, you or one of those wild speakers, you might give yourself permission to go overboard. Yes. And that's cool. Yeah. But it's, it's good to have the basics. It's like having basic grammar mm. in order to break them. So know the rules to break the rules. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. So we're taking um, our audience on a journey. Really? And we are... Um, we're taking them up the up the. We're building, building, building to a point of climax, mm. and um, I'm not going to go mad on the old whole outfit thing no. because I don't know where that was taking us really. Mm. But if we get to our climactic moment in the hero's journey, mm. um, that's going to be the point at which we most powerfully illustrate mm. our message, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. That's the point at which we 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 literally get to the top of the mountain with our audience, and we are standing there with them, saying, "Okay, this is the one thing that I want you to remember out of everything I've said. Mm. This is the most important mm. thing. Mm. This, is this, is the, this is a big reveal. This is the most intense moment. This is what I'm going to hit you with. That's going to really surprise you and going to and really make you think differently. Mm. This is my most persuasive statement. My mm. my most amazing fact, mm. whatever it is, mm. that's, that's what we reserve for that moment. Mm. So a question that's coming up for me is, how do we, when we're kind of thinking about all these moments that we're yeah. adding into our, our talk, how do we know which is the most powerful one? Mm. What, what's, the, what's the kind of, What's the process? Well, that's an interesting question because I think what, what often happens is that we think we know what the climax mm. of the story is or the, or the peak moment of our talk. Mm. And actually, I, th I think the, it's important to not be fixed about that because mm. sometimes when you're really planning a talk, mm. it, becomes, it becomes clear that actually, oh, maybe that isn't quite the climax. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's a key moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the climax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, the process that we, we talk about yeah. during the day is to take post-it notes. Yes, that's right. And um, write out all our key moments on the post-it notes and, mm. and kind of really feel yeah. free and allow yourself 
to play with those moments yeah. and to sort of move them around and think, no, really, what is the order here? And you yeah. might indeed surprise yourself. Yeah. I think we talk a lot of, during the day as well about how we instinctively do understand structure. Yeah. We kind of know where the order in which things should yes. appear in, if we give ourselves permission. If we give us, then that's the key, I think, yeah. here, yeah. is to give yourself permission, because I think we sometimes get very hung up on, mm. oh, you know, I've got all this, all these ideas and all these key moments, mm. I don't know what, it's actually just, mm. just take a step back mm. and just allow it to settle. And if, you, if you've got lots of key moments to begin with, that's okay. Mm. And then just gradually mm. start to look, okay, so is this in service of my call to action? Is this really part of this particular journey or mm. is it a different one? Mm, absolutely. So I think you, you've had a look at one of the most powerful yeah, TED Talks mm. that really I know stands out of, in my mind as a yeah. consummate lesson in how to really mm. um, create a structured, coherent journey at the same time as really taking the audience into a different, amazing world. Yeah, and and that, that speaker is... And that is Jill Bolte-Taylor, uh, her talk, My Strength of Insight, which has currently been viewed 17.3 million times. Whoa! One of the most viewed TED Talks ever. And we talk about this a lot, don't we? Uh, Absolutely. During our trainings. Absolutely. Most of our trainings, actually. Mm. Uh, it is an extraordinary talk. Mm. I... I I hope you've all seen it. If you haven't seen it, mm. please, please, sit, please watch it. See if you agree with what I've what I've come up with here. Because to me, she actually follows the hero's journey. Uh, she actually, she not only she follows the hero's journey, but she she also just twists it a little bit. It's mm. very interesting what she does. So I'm just going to briefly go through it with you because I think it's it'll be useful just to re, to revisit the hero's journey with a with an actual example. So we start out, her ordinary world is, when, when she talks about her work as a scientist and how she has a, a brother who has schizophrenia. So she's already told us why she went into neuroscience. Mm. That's her field, she's a neuroscientist. So she puts a little bit of personal backstory in, but that's, that's her ordinary world. And she talks about how neuroscience has given her, her life a lot of meaning because it allowed her to understand what happened to her brother. So she's already got little bit of personal story in there. So, and then that doesn't take up too much time. Then we, then we get the call to adventure. Mm. And just, now, to, just, to just to pause there. Yeah. Do you want to say something? I do that. want to say I something. You did. But, um, just to say, so she'd set up her credibility. She did, very that. early on. Yeah, yeah. So, but as you say, not too much. She didn't no. give a CV. No. But she acquainted with the audience with the fact she had two points of credibility. Yeah. Her brother had... Um, his own mental health issues and she's a scientist so she's well qualified to talk about this subject absolutely so we know in a very We're elegant way and that's also a good example of showing rather than telling yeah. you know I'm a, I'm a scientist with many years experience no it's very simple mm. and very elegant mm -hmm. my, my brother had schizophrenia and that's why mm. neuroscience is so important to mm. me gave me a lot of meaning so that so so that was her ordinary world so now if we look at the call to adventure in her talk, she says, I woke up on the 10th of December and had a brain disorder of my own. I had a brain hemorrhage and I became an infant in a woman's body. Brilliant. Amazing. So in a few sentences, mm. she's told us, okay, this, 
this thing happened to me. We all know she had a stroke. It's in the title. Mm. But it's just a point I wanted to make about Call to Adventure when we talk about that and when you're thinking about this for your talks. Call to Adventures can be dis- are not necessarily these marvellous things that happen to us. From they, they can be quite difficult experiences and they can seem to be uninvited. Mm. So the reason I call her stroke Call to Adventure is because it was something that completely changed her life. Absolutely. So, mm. so that that's mm. just wanted to clear that up. Is there anything mm. you wanted to say around corporate Well, just the the, uh, the amazing thing about you know I woke up as a child in a yeah. in a woman's body. Yeah. Uh, has already taken the audience into. So I think what's interesting about that is you're thinking about the importance of that statement. Yeah. So you've slightly gone off into your own imagination. Well, wow, what would that be like? Yeah. But you haven't gone off too far because you're yeah. interested. Yeah. In knowing what came next. Absolutely. So she hasn't taken you down a weird road. You're still held by her. And that's really important, that holding on to the rope. Yeah, so she started on this... We're obviously on the the start of a journey with her here. Mm. But the really interesting thing, what she does next is she she doesn't then go... She doesn't jump straight into the story of the stroke. She presses pause... And we go back to Mm -hmm. her ordinary world because she then starts to talk about the science of the brain. Yeah. And this this is the point which everyone remembers where she brings out a human brain, Mm -hmm. she puts in a rubber gloves Mm. and she holds the human brain. Mm. And she showed us the, the two halves of the brain are very separate. So she then talks about the science of hemispheres how the right, the, how the right hemisphere is all about right here, right now, about pictures, and how uh, the left half of the brain is is about linear, methodical thinking, all about past and the future. Future. So she very elegantly uses an actual human brain to describe the science of the two sides of the brain. Mm. Fantastic key moment. Amazing unforgettable. moment. Unforgettable. Uh, and I think that. It's a it's a it's a very uh, important part mm. of the talk because she mm. she not only completely underlines her credibility mm. and knowledge of the brain, mm. but she completely this is really setting you up for, for the story. Yeah, and you're so still that you really understand what's yeah, going on. Yeah, so and you're still very much holding on to the rope. You are. Yes, you, you've you've really paused to look at the view yes. here and to understand the context of the journey even more deeply. Yes. So she's given us some very basic you know she she doesn't she doesn't make it technical at all. She makes it very very accessible. And then once she's she's described this, the brain goes then. And she says she became separate from the energy flow and separate from you and she lost that section the left section of her brain mm. on the morning of the stroke. So You've gone from the, the actually seeing the human brain to then relating it to her. Mm. So she's telling you that she left the she lost the left side of her brain on the morning of the stroke. So she's very cleverly then mm. segued yep. into the next part of the story, which is her entering a new world. Yeah, and clear, clear, clear. very clear. Yeah, very clear signposting. Mm. So you know you're right. You're in a different reality now. Yes, yes. Yeah, you've switched. You've switched now. Yeah, we're out of the left brain, the science. Yeah. And we're in this kind of weird and wonderful world of the right hemisphere. Mm. 
So then she, so the next section is the, she tells the story of the stroke and it's extremely vivid. She uses really evocative language. Mm. She talks about how her hands look like primitive claws. Her body looks weird. She's witnessing, her, witnessing herself getting a headache. Everything in her body is slowed down. She doesn't know where she begins and then everything else ends. It's, it's incredibly vivid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and do you think, and here, because there's a lot of detail. Yeah. So um, what do you think about the build in terms yes. of the build, the build? So, so increasing this, the odds each time. So the, the build here, she starts off with this very vivid passage of how, it, how, it, how she's experiencing the stroke and how she's interpreting everything around her. And the way she builds it is by, she, in one moment she's kind of describing things almost like a witness mm. and then she's in the experience again. Mm. So she's then, she's back in the left hemisphere Hmm. And saying, okay, we've got, got a problem. We've got yeah. a problem. She's got to find the number. She's got to find the number. She can't. Yeah, she's forgotten how to dial hmm. a number. Mm-hmm. So she, she, she does this really interesting thing where she's kind of witnessing what's happening, yeah. and then she's in the action again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're very, very worried as the listener. Yes. We're all very worried about how she's going to get herself. Yes. To a place of safety. Absolutely. The stakes are high. The stakes are being raised all the time. Because she's gone from this rather kind of, wow, this is amazing. To, to, oh, hang on a minute. (laughs) I'm having a stroke. Mm -hmm. So there's always this dance between Mm -hmm. the left and right hemispheres. So so that's where the contrast is. And that's how she builds. We know she survives, obviously. Yeah. But we're still in the drama with her. Mm. And when, when do we know. get to the climax? What's, so what how do we get to the climax? So yeah, we go through this whole thing of her trying to make a call, and she can't get the she she thinks she's speaking, but she can't make any sense of what she's saying. So we go through all of that, and then we get we finally get to the point where she's managed to get help. So the stakes have been up to up to nuts, and she's finally managed to get herself in that ambulance. And there's this whole scene where she's in the ambulance and she she's kind of felt like her body's in space almost and she doesn't know how she's going to get back into this little package that, that we call a body. And to me, that's the, the climax of the story because there's such a vivid contrast between mm. this how the sounds being very loud and chaotic she couldn't she couldn't identify where she was she felt like she'd found nirvana and she 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 pictures this beautiful wonderful world and mm. that's when she actually uses mm. the key phrase with what a stroke of insight this could be into how we could live our lives and it motivated me to recover yeah that to me is the climax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's taken us in. Here was this very left brain scientist. Yeah. She had this experience. It took her into this other amazing world, which she's described the Technicolor yeah, absolutely. world. And the message is. And the message is she brings home the treasure, right? I mean, pretty quickly after mm. this, she, she just briefly says they removed a golf ball sized clock and it took her eight years to recover but she doesn't dwell on that mm-hmm. so that's an important thing to know that mm. she didn't that's not no. part of this journey yeah. that's something else that's something else that could be another talk yeah 
So the treasure that she, the message that she had to share was, um, we can choose who and how we want to be in the world. You can be at one with all that is, or step into the left hemisphere and be a solid separate and be separate from the flow. So these are the two. These are the two halves of us inside us. So which would you choose? Mm -hmm. Which do you choose, and when? Mm -hmm. And then she finishes off with this wonderful statement about how she believes that the more time you spend choosing to run the deep, what she calls the deep inner peace circuitry of our right hemisphere, the more peace we'll project into the world, and the more peaceful our planet will be. Mm. And she thought that was an idea worth sharing. Mm. Utterly brilliant. It's just like... <laughs> utterly brilliant. Utterly yes. brilliant. And can you imagine if... Um, you know, she told all that. It still would have been fantastic if it had just been her sitting down mm. and telling us the story in a very linear way. Yeah. Because we could have made our own... We could have drawn our own conclusions. Yeah, we could have done. But she had been so thoughtful about the way she constructed that yeah. talk that she'd really done all the hard work for us so that we could just be clear and understand the power of her message and that's yes. why we that's why we love it yeah that's why we love it well that's why we always talk about and we always it. talk about it because it's actually it, it, it's a it's a story and a subject that could mm. have got very complicated mm. very you know way Death too terror. much yeah. stuff make either too scientific or too way out there yeah yeah, yeah. but she manages to put it all together mm. in 18 mm. minutes mm. or however long it is and then, and then take it right out into this huge idea mm. about world peace. Yeah, I mean, just amazing. Incredibly balanced, incredibly yeah. structured. Yeah. And really, that's what we're encouraging you to do with your talk. Absolutely. See? <laughs> just, just be like Jill. Just be like Jill Dorothy Taylor. But we thought it was worth deconstructing that. Because yeah, we, absolutely. We talk about her a lot, but to actually deconstruct it, I think that was quite useful. Absolutely. So have fun with your structures, yes. um, have fun with your editing, and really make those messages shine. And trust yourself, mm. you know, if everybody has a message, everybody mm. has an idea worth sharing. Yeah, I should say. Okay. Thank you, Rona. Thank you, Bev. <laughs>